faithwire.com. President Biden's 15-day extension on mask mandates on public transportation was shot down by a judge, and that led to cheers all across America on various um, trains and planes and everywhere else. Today is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Go do it. Go leave a rating, do all the fun stuff, all the things you need to do uh, as we go through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. We'd love to have you joining us. Joining me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faith Wire with a look at what's coming up on the podcast today. What's going on, guys? Happy uh, Tuesday. Yeah, well, we're almost to the weekend. We're living the dream, all <laughs> yep, of us. Almost exciting, there. Almost. Caffeinated, feeling good. <laughs> yeah. You know, you said planes and trains. I was waiting for automobiles. I know. But. It's I it's it's habit. I almost always say it, but I refrained because I I don't think there's that many people wearing masks in their automobiles these oh, days. Oh, come to New York. I, we saw, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've we, seen it. I have seen yeah. it. That's true. That's but true. also, it's a good movie. It is a planes, fantastic movie. One of my favorites. I love it. Oh, yes. Well, so what's coming anyway. up? So, uh, you know, despite Disney's best efforts, it seems like the majority of Americans are actually on board for the Florida law. So we'll talk about a new, <laughs> huh, a new poll that discusses some of that. Interesting yeah. how that works. And we'll also <laughs> talk about the Freedom From Religion Foundation, our atheist friends out in Madison, <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin, and their little battle they've got going on with the Tennessee town. Things are not quite going the way the atheists want them mm. to go. Your favorite friends. They are, are your are favorite friends. friends, your atheist friends. If you follow Billy on Twitter, you will occasionally see Billy having uh, lively back and forths. Yes, with we're our good. We're good friends. Atheist that and the friends Church over of there. Satan. Yes, yeah. the Church of Satan, indeed. Be praying for them. Be praying for them. Very lost. Very lost people. So, all right, we're going to start here before we get to those stories with the big story happening right now, which is these mask mandates. There is all kinds of debates happening right now. There's cheers and fears, is the one headline read as half the country is just thankful that these mask mandates are actually gone. And some people learned about it actually on planes, sitting there and had their masks on. Pilots made announcements. Here's a couple of them here I'll share with you right now. The first one is actually one of the flight attendants. He's singing as he's walking through the aisle, telling people to throw away their masks. And then there's another one where the person makes an announcement and everyone cheers. So check out these uh, two clips. April 18th, the Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and onboard aircraft. So there you have it. People are very thankful that they're not having to wear the mask. There were some folks, however, who were not so thankful. There was a couple of big Twitter threads. There was one civil rights attorney who was on a plane finding out about this and unleashed a dramatic tweet thread about how terrified he was now that he had to be in the plane without a mask. So it's very interesting to see these two competing views. You have one side celebrating, and then you have others completely fearful talking about fly in a flying coffin and things of that nature with the reaction. And so very interesting to see that dynamic playing out. And so how did this all happen? Well, 
the media now is pointing the finger at quote unquote Trump appointed. They're making sure they point that out. U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mazel. And she argued that the CDC improperly failed to justify its decision and did not follow proper rulemaking. And the federal judge argued in a 59 page ruling that the CDC overstepped its authority. The CDC had recently extended that mask mandate until May 3rd. They were trying to say that they needed more time to study for the latest Omicron sub-variant. But now how we're seeing it play out, guys, is passengers cheering and the debate raging once again. And it's interesting that this judge is being singled out. And I've seen a lot of people post on this now, and they're shocked and appalled that one judge, quote unquote, can impact the health of all Americans, which is interesting because there have been plenty of times that things have been shot down in the other way. It seems to be the only argument here or the only complaint is that they don't like the ruling because on the one hand, you have the federal government. Nobody seemed to have a problem, at least on the left, when Biden was implementing these mask mandates. They didn't care that it was one person doing that, but when one judge who they're now trying to malign and say isn't qualified makes this ruling. They complain about it. So very partisan happening there, but it seems to be the bigger celebration is, or the bigger mood is celebration. So why does it matter? Obviously guys, we've been dealing with these rules and regulations of various sizes, shape, form, varieties, you name it for the past two years now. And you could just sense the relief that a lot of people are feeling to have something like that. Because it didn't make a lot of sense. Mask mandate on the planes. There's not really much science to back up the fact that these cloth masks actually do anything. And so there's a lot of cheering going on. And people were just seemed like they're fed up with it. But still a remnant who are terrified. So there you have it. I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys make of the whole mask mandate well, situation? I, I, mean, I think that there's so much confusion around all of this because there's been so much inconsistency on the masks. The problem with this idea that it's a flying coffin, well, it was a flying coffin <laughs> before then yeah. because I mean, I've been on a number of planes, you know, since COVID. I used to travel a lot more, but I've been on a number of them. And as you're eating and drinking, your mask is coming up and down. Mm -hmm. You're in an enclosed area. Yeah. This idea that people are completely masked up in N95s or KN95s while they're flying is not an accurate idea. That's not happening. You know, you could make the argument that if everybody were masked the whole time for a six-hour flight and nobody, you know, breathed outside of their mask and they weren't cloth masks, that maybe there'd be some, I don't know, maybe semblance of understanding that maybe this is something that could work to stop a virus. But the reality is that's not what's been happening at all since the beginning of this. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying yeah, it's ridiculous. Sure. Right. Like the, the current standing is that people mostly have their mask off on flights. <laughs> I'm happy to see it go. <laughs> um, I, I, it just seems uh, like so much of this has been uh, like at the beginning obviously we've said before you can make a you can make the case for a whole lot of restrictions earlier on because we didn't know anything but uh, particularly two years plus in uh, a lot of it just seems like it 
unfortunately devolved into nothing more than a you know a political fight and this was just kind of a a virtue signal if you wore a mask it was a virtue signal that you are you know progressive and you are, care about people and you don't want anyone to die and whatever uh, and if you didn't wear a mask and you were a conservative uh, it was you know I'm I'm fighting against the man and I I don't you know approve of the the political machine so uh, it was both sides it just ultimately became nothing more than a, a political symbol of, of whatever your allegiance was. Yeah. I think long ago it became, it, yes. it, we abandoned the idea that it was about health or public safety for anybody in any sort of legitimate way. Uh, so this just seems like one of the final vestiges of this uh, originally health crisis turned political fight yeah. uh, falling away. I still maintain guys that in 20 years, 10 years, I don't know what the time frame will be before this whole two year period of the pandemic gets sort of memory hold and the gaslighting begins. But I do feel like there's going to be documentaries that look back and we will be shocked at the things that happened during this two period, the the absolute futility of some of these things, as we've talked about on this podcast, the clear plastic shields at the grocery store checkout and you just look around it or as if the air can't just float the three inches around the shield things that we did that were just insane. It seemed right. normal now because I'm telling you when fear is such a motivating factor and people will do things just to be safe. But when we are past that fear and we can, as a whole, look at this situation rationally, people are going to look back. I really do believe it and think, wow, we did that or mom and dad, what were you guys doing? And, um, but we'll see, we'll see. Nobody's going to remember well, me making this prediction now, but re- file it away for everyone listening to this because when you hear it, I, I can't. And my thing <laughs> is like, if you could have, to me, I mean, you had all this research out there. It's insane to me that after two years, they're like, oh, yeah, surgical masks are way better. Why didn't you make them from the beginning? Why didn't you mm-hmm. do the, like, nobody's ever going to trust. And here's the biggest problem with all this no matter what these documentaries say, no matter what happens later on. The biggest issue here is that the next time there is a more serious issue, mm-hmm. nobody is going to trust anything the government says. And that is probably the most tragic part of the way that they handled all this. The moral of this story is that we all should have been plexiglass manufacturers because they made out like <laughs> yes. bandits over the last two years. Yes. Uh, and also anybody who's been in a, a store like a, a Starbucks or a restaurant or gas station, whatever, and they have the plexiglass, everybody that I ever saw, including me, uh, leaned past the plexiglass so that you could talk to the person and actually hear one another. Uh, so nobody, like it was just a, a, a an obstruction in the way that everybody leaned around. Uh, so even if it was doing anything, nobody by the time they talked to anybody was actually between the plexiglass. It Gosh, was... Trey, what a terrible person you are leaning I over know. the glass into people's faces <laughs> with your COVID face. Gosh, I know. Terrible. Well, I needed to hear a human being. So, <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, story number two. So despite the Disney's best efforts, uh, the majority of Americans apparently, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, support blocking public school educators from teaching very young children about sexual orientation and gender identity and transgender issues. 
so according to a golden TIPP poll, uh, which just came out, uh, they surveyed 1,305 adults uh, from April 6th through 8th and found that 57% of Americans either strongly agree or somewhat agree uh, with Florida's parental rights and education bill, which, like I said, prohibits educators from teaching kids in pre-K through third grade about sexual orientation and gender identity. That survey came uh, just a few weeks after Governor Ron DeSantis signed the bill, uh, which the left and the media uh, mischaracterizes the don't say gay bill. Uh, He signed that into law in late March and it will go into effect on July 1st. Uh, So, like I said, it was uh, mischaracterized as the Don't Say Gay bill. The bill itself, five pages long. Uh, I feel like a broken record at this point, but it never once mentions the word gay. Uh, And you're uh, not outlawed from saying the word uh, in Florida or even in uh, Florida classrooms. Uh, But nevertheless, it sparked a nationwide uh, political upheaval, uh, even uh, forcing well, I, forcing is the wrong word, but even leading Walt Disney Company CEO Bob Chapek uh, to decide to get into uh, the the political uh, furor. So, but despite all of that, despite Disney uh, vociferously condemning it, even vowing to help repeal the law, uh, when broken down along ideological lines, this survey found that 73% of Republicans, 54% of independents, and 51% of Democrats uh, agree with the boundaries that were put in place by the legislation. Uh, interestingly, just 42% of those who described themselves as liberals backed the bill, uh, while a vast majority, 80% of those who called themselves conservatives uh, said they support the law. Uh, So this new survey actually represents an an increase uh, in support uh, since late March when a morning consult poll found that just 57% approved of the law. So it's gone from 50, I mean, 50% approved of the law. So it's gone from 50% to 57%. Uh, So in all of this comes just days after another poll, which you reported on, uh, Billy, a Trafalgar group and Convention of the States uh, poll that found that just about 70 percent of likely American voters said that they're now less likely uh, to do uh, business. I can't speak today uh, to do business with Disney uh, as a result of Disney's decision to uh, not back down uh, in their condemnation of this law. Uh, So the Convention of the State's President, Mark Meckler, uh, he said, Disney is about to learn that attempting to ideologically and sexually groom our children is a recipe for brand destruction, costing the company massively in both customers and revenue. And he said a parents' revolt movement is growing stronger every day and is soon coming. Uh, so, you know, I, I think why it matters is obviously this is this is not something that either side is willing to back down on, right? It seems like Disney, uh, the left is going all in on this. Uh, and it seems like parents and conservatives and Christians, of course, uh, are also not backing down and they're they're going to continue to strongly oppose this kind of stuff. So it seems like we're we're quickly careening toward uh, perhaps the the biggest front facing culture war we've had in a long time because we've been we've been dealing with this stuff kind of behind the scenes but now it's just out in the open uh, and it seems like we are are really going to have to make a decision point or at an inflection point i think culturally uh we're going to have to to decide how do we want to to live culturally moving forward yeah it is really remarkable i I feel like we're the old uh, john edwards to america's situation it really feels like we're living in that right now because people just see things completely differently and right 
again, you 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 brought it up, and it's we've said it a million times, but the fact that they keep misrepresenting that bill is just. It's really beyond comprehension, but... And there's no consequence for it either. No consequence for it either. They keep doing it. Even now, as we see, as your story pointed out, Trey, that most Americans seem to be, despite the Ron DeSantis derangement syndrome that seems to be unfolding (laughs) right now, people still are willing to say, no, I'm not cool with this. It shouldn't be a controversial issue. Teaching sexuality like this to kids should be be an obvious no-brainer, but... It's yeah, 2022, well, yeah. and here we are. I mean, when when 51 percent of Democrats, yeah, say that they support the bill, like to me, right? But it seems like the left doesn't realize that there is they're on a sinking ship when yeah. it comes to this issue. Well, I, and I think you know you have there's there's a spiritual issue here too, right? People are spiritually blind; they're not understanding what the truth is, and I think that this is exposing the broader conversation that we have had many times before that the left in this country dominates all of the spheres of influence. They dominate social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, they own the social media companies. They dominate um, media itself, universities and education in general. They're dominating every piece of the puzzle where you learn. And so these things get pushed and they get pushed through. And yet people feel very differently, the majority of people, than what those institutions are pushing. And I think that that disconnect really comes out in these moments where you try to say to yourself, but how did we get here? How is this happening if this is how people feel? Well, they're controlling the narrative. And that that does sort of, you know, speak to some broader issues too when we talk about, oh, you know, the right-wing echo chamber. It's like, yeah, you mean the few spaces that are left that people have to smush <laughs> yeah. themselves into to have any sort of control? Right. Um, so that's that's a big issue. And I think actually it doesn't just affect conservatives. It affects liberals too. And it's a broader conversation, but it's definitely part of this sure. narrative. Sure, sure. You can go into story number three now. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. No. <laughs> I had a video auto-playing, which, you know, is the story of my life. Anyway, story story number three is the atheist, the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They're locked in a battle with Elizabethton, Tennessee. It's a small city out in Tennessee, and this is the battle that goes back a few years. There are these three crosses that are on top of Lynn Mountain, and Lynn Mountain is sort of this hilly area there in the town of Elizabethton. And a few years ago in 2018, somebody apparently complained locally to the Freedom From Religion Foundation, again, they're an atheist group out in Madison, Wisconsin, that these three crosses violated the separation of church and state, the First Amendment's Establishment Clause. And so a letter was apparently fired off to the to the city and it was never there was never a response. The town officials apparently just chose not to respond. <laughs> but again, letters have been fired off. This has been picked up again by the Freedom from Religion Foundation. An illegal fellow there um, wrote a letter saying that these crosses are, you know, quote, up there by themselves. They seem to have a pretty obvious Christian message. Uh, This individual then wrote, they have no other obvious meaning or other messages with them. And it sends, I think, a pretty obvious message of endorsement of Christianity. So the argument is that these crosses that are standing on this hill, it's government-owned property. It's an endorsement then of Christianity. Um, So what's interesting about this is initially the city didn't say anything. Again, back in 2018, they they initially last month also didn't respond, but the town did. Uh, There were churches giving crosses away for people to put on their front yards. And that usually happens in these, you know, situations where an outside organization comes in based on a complaint, a singular complaint locally, and they then 
try to remove something, everybody freaks out and they they jump up and they start to defend the crosses. But what was interesting in this case is that the city attorney, his name is Roger Day, he actually issued a statement last Thursday and did respond finally. He said that he believes the crosses are constitutional and that they are permitted to stay on public land. Now, rather than agreeing with this idea that there's this obvious message, you know, pushing Christianity, he looked to a 2019 Supreme Court ruling about a separate incident. There was a 40-foot cross, a veterans memorial in Maryland, and the Supreme Court ruled that this particular monument, even though it was obviously a cross, could remain because there was a history to it. Um, And that history over time meant a lot to the community. And, you know, there's a whole series of sort of arguments that the court made for why it could stay. But the point is the town looked to that and they said, we believe these three crosses are similar to that and they are going to be allowed to stay. And so what's interesting about that case, it was a seven to two ruling by the high court in 2019. So now you have this situation where basically the city is saying, we're not taking them down, they can stay. And so the ball is back in the Freedom From Religion Foundation's court. I don't know what will happen. We haven't heard anything back from them. They have not responded officially to this yet. And these are complicated situations because you can end up obviously in a legal battle. Right now they're firing off letters, right? That's where that's the stage that this is in. But this could definitely escalate um, and become something bigger. And just for a little history on these three crosses. They were apparently put on the property in the 1950s by a group of young boys who were working on an Easter project for their church. So they have been there for decades. There is a history to it. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. The why it matters here, of course, is that this is part of this ongoing dispute over whether or not religion needs to be stripped out of every part of public life or whether or not it's allowed to be there. We're allowed to have these symbols. We talk about this from nativities down to crosses and down the line. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what happens next if the atheists decide to drop it or if they double down. I'm just constantly amazed, Billy. I mean, you must be as well as you cover a lot of these stories that people can be so offended by the cross, so offended by it. It validates it. And it validates (laughs) it. That was going to be my next comment was that it sure seems to make it look like there's some truth to that because otherwise, what are you afraid of? A lot of it goes back to, and of course, like the Freedom from Religion Foundation would bristle at this. And I think that a lot of the world would bristle at this, including even Christians at times, because we're still sinful and we have to remind ourselves, the Holy Spirit has to remind us every day that uh, the gospel is an offensive message, yeah. uh, right? Because it says that we're not in charge, that there is a divine creator who has uh, a sovereign plan for all of this and that we don't chart our course, he does. Um, so I think the cross is just a constant daily physical, like tangible reminder of that reality. And I think even if people don't realize it on a conscious level, I think that is without a doubt, like you were saying in the previous story, Billy, there's a spiritual component to this. I think without a doubt, there's a spiritual component to this too. uh, And that there, you know, it's people don't realize why they're so offended by something like the cross. Uh, But really it's just a remnant of our sinful nature uh, or the presence of our sinful nature, I guess, uh, that's that's speaking out uh, when we when we condemn stuff like this. Why is it so offensive? And I think if, if you get down to the 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 source of it, the offense is because I'm not in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to come to grips with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
And I think there's, I think there's something under the surface here, you know, getting rid of God. I mean, that is the, that is the push. That is the goal right. here. It's shielded by this. And of course, look, we have to have a healthy understanding of the first amendment and what that means, right? Nobody, nobody's arguing for a theocracy. That's not what's happening here. But this idea that the founders didn't have faith is part of their everyday lives and not just their everyday lives and not every founder, right? They had different views and different beliefs, but the reality is, yeah, they were going to church in the Capitol. They had a chaplain in the yeah. 1790s. They weren't offended by it. They were not offended no, by it. And they hired no. a chaplain. Yeah. And the Bible is the the source for so many of our laws. The way that our legal system is structured is built on scripture. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's right in there in the in the Constitution. Um refer, referring to our creator. And you right. you can't deny that. It's it's undeniable. As you said, Billy, they, they some were deists. They weren't all just standard mainstream Christians, but there clearly was a reverence for a higher power. And that's honestly what set America apart. That is the one difference. If you look at any constitution across the world, there's only one right now that points to God, and it's ours. The fact that America has prospered more than any other country during that time is not a coincidence to me. I, I don't believe that's a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences anyway, but that's certainly not one if you at least attempt to place the direction of the nation ultimately under the authority of God. It, it has a better chance of working out for you. I'll just leave it at that. Like anything else in life. But but here we are. This is the goal. And I think we need to keep that in mind. It's it's really to strip God out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Sure. So, all right. Well, that is all the time we have. Look at this. I mean, we've already gotten ourselves more than 40% of the way to, to the You're weekend. This your is, Tuesday. You're welcome, America. This is what this pod, podcast does for you. Better than any other podcast humanly possible. So... We'll be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. Just head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Click a bunch of stories. You're going to get uh, awesome stuff there and stuff you're not going to see in the mainstream news everywhere else. So God bless. See you back here tomorrow. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. <laughs>